Principal Matters Podcast, episode 384. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas. This week, I'm back with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, author of several great books, including the newest, The Principal's Guide to Conflict Management. And Jen Schwanke, this week, we're going to be talking about anticipate, analyze, and act as we continue conversations as you are so generously letting us dive into some of the content of your new book. Welcome back to Principal Matters. What are some things that you're excited about as you think about the spring semester? And as you, well, by the time this recording comes out, we'll already have already celebrated Valentine's Day, but mm-hmm. it's kind of weird because we're pre-recording this, so I haven't actually had that day yet, but how are right. <laughs> Well, it's funny too, because um, February is always a dark time because it's so cold and dark and miserable. And I always make the mistake of thinking March is going to, I'm going to wake up March 1st and there's going to be daffodils and robins um, flittering about the yard. Um, So we still have some time before we get to spring, but I'm looking forward to spring. I always love the, the fresh start that comes in spring. Well, and I do want to give a quick shout out to some friends who live in your great state of Ohio because February the 8th, I'm scheduled to be in Columbus working with Ohio School Sponsorship Program and some wonderful principals who I've been doing Grow Academies with and Masterminds with this past year. And so I know we're pre-recording this, Jen, but just a quick shout out to my friends there. And uh, I always love coming into your wonderful state, although uh, it's colder than mine. Yeah. So uh, maybe someday I'll be up, up there in the summer. Yeah. Oh, you would love it. Ohio is wonderful in the summer, but don't tell anybody. Too many people are moving here. Oh, good to know. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's swing back because okay. um, for Principal Matters listeners who listened to our previous episode together, we spent quite a bit of time with you walking through the motivation for your new book, Principal's Guide to Conflict Management, and kind of an overview of that. But I wanted to dig deep, more deeply into the ideas of anticipating, analyzing, and acting, which is um, content from uh, midway through your book. And so take us there for a few minutes, Jen, of as principals and leaders are stepping into the hard work that they do every single day, um, why is it important for them to have those three words in mind? Right. So I'd like if if listeners, if you're driving to work listening to this, Conjure up a circle in your mind, and in that circle are three steps. Anticipate, analyze, and act. And when you think about this in terms of conflict, a circle implies it never ends. It's continuous, right? And so whenever a principal sees a conflict or there is conflict bubbling up, they can enter the circle at any time. They could enter the circle with anticipating it. And and by that, I mean they might say, Oh, there's trouble brewing here. Teachers and principals do this all the time with students. They see a conflict brewing and they move a student's desk or they sit between two students or they pull the student aside and say, hey, stop, stop. Let's let this go. Right. Anticipating happens all the time. It's a little bit harder to see for principals when adults are bubbling toward conflict, but we can anticipate it. We can see if a parent is getting a little feisty about a teacher's protocols or practices, or we can see it if two colleagues aren't getting along. That's the anticipate 
part. And we could talk more about that in a minute. The next step is the analyze. And we talked about this in a previous podcast, Will, where we have to have patience and time to really think about why the conflict exists. And so when you learn about a conflict's antecedents and the effects, it allows for a deeper understanding of the why, but also a more disciplined response. So that, that is the act part of the circle, or excuse me, analyze part of the circle. And then the final step, and I don't want to say step, let me take that back. The final part of the circle is the act part. And what that means is you make a decision about what input is needed from you, whether you're going to facilitate, intervene, mediate, manage, ignore, whatever you're going to do, that's the action. And it's important to point out here, and I do this probably way too much in the book, I stress the idea that no action is an action. There are times that there is no action needed because something's going to work itself out because the people involved, it was, you know, they have, have managed it. They've figured it out. So, so action doesn't necessarily mean you go in and you fix things, right? Because sometimes awareness is an action or ignoring is an action. And again, we do that often with students, but um, a little bit trickier when it's grownups involved. Okay, so let's pause and back up because I want I want to just, with your permission, Jen, to take a deep dive in each one of those areas for just a few minutes. And let's talk about anticipate for just a moment longer. Um, I have this funny analogy that I like to use when I think about teachers and principals who have done the work for a while, and I call it their their Jedi power. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the ability to step into sometimes a hallway or a building or a commons area and and I know you I know I know I know veteran educators know exactly what I'm talking about. You know something's getting ready to happen before it happens. Yep. I, there's just so many times where I've been standing there going, okay, I, I I just know something's getting ready to happen right over there by that classroom, and I'm going to walk that direction. And sure enough, I'm stepping in right before or as a conflict erupts or whatever. And so, part of that I think is instinctive. Part of that I think is learned. And as a school wide leader. Part of the hard lesson that I had to learn was that was anticipating the the different um, seasons of our calendar. And so sometimes, for instance, I'll give you an example. Almost every time that you're coming up next to a end of grading period, <laughs> almost every time you're coming up against an end of grading period, when student work is getting ready to be recorded and told to parents, when teachers are wrapping up their grades for whatever that is, a quarter, a period, everybody's a trimester, everybody's got their own thing that they, th- th- how they divide those ups, how they divide up those seasons of their school year. But um, anxiety rises, mm-hmm. people get um, more focused on their own roles and responsibilities. And inevitably conflicts increase during that time too, because a student is a little more sensitive about his or her grades. A teacher is a little more exhausted because of all the work that they're doing to finish a lesson grading. Parents are a little bit more on edge because they're actually checking grades for the first time, maybe um, in six weeks. And, um, and for some reason we seem surprised Every time that happens, Jen. And so I'm just giving those as examples, but what other thoughts are in your mind when you think about the importance of anticipating in advance the conflicts that you know you're going to be managing? Right. I think I think you've hit on something really important. There are certain things that if we don't anticipate them, then that's on us, right? If you have, for example, um, I'm just making this up, but elementary schools, let's say you have 400 kids out on the playground at one time. 
if you didn't anticipate some kid's going to run into another kid and crack his head open and need stitches, then well, that's on you. Maybe you need to change the schedule so there's only a couple hundred kids on the playground at once. Or let's say you um, your fire drill protocol in your building is everybody exits out one door. Well, you're going to have slow exit times, right? So there's things that you you absolutely need to be able to anticipate. And then there are times where it's only in retrospect that you think, wow, I wish I'd have seen that coming. So let's say you non-renew a teacher's contract and you think, well, that was good. Now we're going to move on. Well, here comes a lawsuit, say. (laughs) And you might think, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. Well, maybe you should have thought that through. And that isn't to be, um, I'm not trying to be obnoxious about that, but I think it's very healthy to take time to anticipate potential outcomes. That isn't to say you obsess about it or say, okay, let's think of all 50 things that might happen because of, as a result of this decision. But you might say, okay, what are some negative outcomes that might come out of this? Let's just think that through, right? So anticipating allows you to step in and proactively address conflicts before they become bigger problems. Um, A good example would be if you have a couple of, of teachers who you know from the past didn't work so well together. Well, for goodness sakes, don't put them on a team together unless you see that it's going to be okay for whatever reason. So you have to proactively address conflicts through the anticipation part of the, of the cycle. Let me offer a few other um, examples, Jen, too. And these are all learned from hard experience because you and I both know that these are things that um, looking back, you can figure out what did I not see coming. Uh, student discipline, for instance, sometimes you have an interaction with a student that only may require a couple of seconds of correction and movement. But sometimes you have an interaction with a student that from their perspective was a pretty big deal, especially if you had to call them down to your office or especially if you had to pull them out of class. And so the thing I always tried to ask myself when I was interacting with a student is how will this conversation be repeated when the student gets home? Mm -hmm. And if if I'm not comfortable with how this is going to be repeated when they get home, or if I want to anticipate that it would be better coming from me that we just had this interaction, then I'm going to go back to my office and pick up the phone and call that parent or maybe do it with the student present. And not every interaction can require that because sometimes you're just doing quick little corrections with students. Secondary example, for instance, if we had, for instance, a situation on campus, um, there were times where we would contract with an organization through our security or through our police that would come in and they would bring drug dogs, you know, to walk the campus. Well, if that dog had stopped and hit on a student vehicle, for instance, and we had to pull that student out of class and look through their vehicle. A lot of times we found nothing. But if my thought at that moment was, well, we found nothing. So that student should be okay. That that's an experience where that student's parent needs to be contacted yes. and told because they're going to, that's, that is a novel experience for that child who probably will never experience that again in their life. And even though you, it may be a common part of your work, it's not of theirs. Exactly. And so, so anticipating ahead of time, what is this experience like for the person on the other side of me and who else needs to know? And so, um, and we can apply that in many, many different ways, Jim, but that's just another thought that came to my mind. Well, and I think it's important too to think about systems and processes and protocols Mm -hmm. as part of the anticipate step. You and I talked a few weeks, or I guess it's been a few months now about the importance of systems and how you can have the most amazing staff in the universe. But if you don't have strong systems that help those people succeed, 
that can also be applied to things like discipline. You should have a handbook that clearly states, you know, if this, then that, right? Because those systems, processes, and protocols will help you when you see an anticipated problem coming, say, okay, well, how's, what's my reaction going to be? How's it going to be a fair, equitable, and applicable um, response to this conflict? I call that the school leader's Bible, mm-hmm. which is, understanding, <laughs> which is right. understanding your procedures and your policies. And I don't think I can emphasize that enough, especially for newer leaders, but veteran leaders need the, this reminder too sometimes that that those processes, policies, and procedures can guide you in advance of what to anticipate so that we already have a playbook for what we do when kids are having difficulty getting class on time. We already have a playbook and a process for what to do when we're exiting the building or what to do when we're waiting for parent pickup. So all of those processes become a part of the anticipation. And believe it or not, they are an active part of conflict resolution because you are thinking in advance of the things that are going to happen, that are going to happen that you're going to have to respond to as a part of being in the school community. Right. Right. And that's a perfect lead into the second part of that cycle, which is analyzing. And, you know, when you learn, when you, when you hear of a conflict or a conflict crosses your desk, um, it's so easy to jump to a conclusion. Oh my gosh, it's so easy because you you might say to yourself, oh, I know that kid. It's He's the one at fault, right? Oh, it's sixth time he's been sent to the office this year. It's so easy to jump to a conclusion. And this is where I always had to discipline myself to pause and say, wait, 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 think about this. Everybody needs due process, right? And I'm not just talking about discipline, but I'm talking about any sort of conflict. Everybody deserves a chance to be understood and to have the response be appropriate for everyone involved. And so I think it's important that we check our own mindsets and make sure that we are analyzing in a fair and thorough way when there's a conflict that comes across their desk. And I'm sure there's, you've got stories about that, Will, where as a principal, you thought, okay, wait, I I better stop and think about this, ask some more questions. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors and then we'll be right back. Everyone talks about the power of data-driven instruction, but what does that actually look like? Look no further than IXL, the ultimate online learning and teaching platform for K-12. IXL gives you meaningful insights that drive real progress, and research can prove it. Studies across 45 states show that schools who use IXL outperform other schools on state tests. Educators who use IXL love that they can easily see how their school is performing in real time to make better instructional decisions. And IXL doesn't stop at just data. IXL also brings an entire ecosystem of resources for your teachers with a complete curriculum, personalized learning plans, and so much more. It's no wonder that IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts. Ready to join them? Visit IXL.com backslash PM to get started. I think some of my biggest regrets in school leadership come from that right there, Jen, which is times where you make assumptions about a student or teacher or any adult, but because you didn't do the due diligence of actually listening fairly, keeping an open mind, looking for all the information before you make a judgment. 
Right. Those are my biggest regrets too. The exact same thing. And, and I think what I have done with experience is learn. And I talk about this in the book, but the difference between facts and feelings that really does help because so many times we respond to someone else's feelings or we respond to our own feelings and they're not the full facts of the situation. And I think too, as we um, analyze a, a conflict, we can think about when those two things, facts and feelings overlap and how we can work to keep them separate as we work through a conflict. So, you know, you might say, I understand how this feels to you. If I were you, I would feel the exact same way. Let's talk a little bit about the facts. What happened to lead up to this? What did the other person do? What did you do? Just live in facts for a little bit. And sometimes that can kind of file down the sharp edges of the feelings and get you closer to an action to work through the conflict. Well, and for principal managers, listeners, I know you're already thinking through in your own practices, some of the practical ways to do that. Um, at the secondary level, sometimes that means just putting a piece of paper in front of a student and just saying, can you just write down for me th the scenario that you've just went through or what, what feelings that you're having right now, or explain to me what just took place and kind of pull de-escalating the emotions, trying to get students' emotions and check in your own, slowing down the process. Um, because as much as we want quick resolutions, Jen, sometimes and this is hard because when we're putting out fires, sometimes you don't feel like you have the time to invest in, in those kinds of deep conversations. But, but I like how you said that facts versus feelings. Let's, let's understand the facts first so that we can take a step right. back and then analyze why we responded the way that we did and how we should respond right. moving forward. Well, and that's where I think teamwork is an important part of this analyze process because mm -hmm. I have learned over time that many times my my feelings get wrapped up in the facts and I personally can't tell the difference. So I will need to look at an accountability partner, whether it was a secretary, a trusted teacher, a friend, my husband, whatever. And I'd say, am I seeing this clearly? And to be able to empower someone else to say, yeah, you're not, you're too emotional about this right now. Um, sometimes those are only our most um, close friendships or colleagues that can say that to us, but we need to be open to hearing that. Uh, my husband will say that to me all the time. He'll say, you're not, you're not thinking clearly on this. Okay, great. I'm going to give it some time because I really want to be able to think clearly on it. Right. So teamwork can be so helpful. And so even if it's not a deep emotional conversation, even if it's a, and I'm, if you guys could see me, I'm making air quotes. If it's a conflict that's kind of long range and just an underlying conflict within the school, you might take it to your building leadership team. And you might say, guys, we just have some tension in um, say the duty schedule. There's a lot of conflict I'm anticipating happening and I want your help analyzing it. What's going on? Why are people feeling all up in their feelings about this? What can we do to fix it? And get that input. Because again, what you're doing there is you're boiling it down to facts rather than living in feelings. Mm. You said several things that I would like you to come back to when you talked about that third area, which is making a decision about your role. And, and you mentioned several options that leaders have or that anyone has when they're getting ready to take an action, which could be mediating, it could be ignoring. Um, what, what were some of those other areas, Jen, that you mentioned? And let's let's talk about that for just a moment. In terms of action, you mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
I think it's important to set our intentions before we act. So if we've taken some time to anticipate, we've taken some time to analyze, and now we need to do something. And again, sometimes doing something is doing nothing, <laughs> but but it helps if it's an intentional decision. I think if we decide to not act, it's different than procrastinating or ignoring or hoping. I've said before, hope is not a strategy, right? We can't just say, well, I hope that those two people work that thing out. Um, an action might be to wait or to be patient and that should be an intention. And so I think the goal with any sort of action is to set intentions and make sure the environment is one in which conflict resolution can can happen. So as an example, if you have um, conflict between a parent and a teacher, say, and you are a principal that's known, no matter what, you will always support your teachers. Well, that's not going to be a conflict resolution because out in your community, the parents are going to be saying, I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel seen. The principal only ever defends teachers. Um, that, that again, is not an action that's going to help you long-term. What that does is empower staff members or teachers to do whatever the heck they want because they know the principal is going to support them, right? So setting the environment, setting your intentions, and supporting your actions um, will help make sure that you've got a long-term solution as opposed to a short-term one. I you also, know what I do? Well, I, I don't know if you, have you ever rehearsed before you went into a, yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I didn't ever do this and my current superintendent rehearses all the time. And it's so helpful to, to literally say out loud some of what your responses might be as you anticipate how the conversation is going to go. And you can never anticipate perfectly how a conversation will go, but you can try out with your mind and your words, what might be said and, and how it will move toward a resolution. Especially if you're doing something for the first time. Um, I'll give a quick, another quick story, Jen, but I can, I vividly remember the first suspension disciplinary action that I had to enact as an assistant principal at the secondary level. And, um, and I don't remember the kid or the parent, or how long I just remember the moment because I remember just, just the dread of anticipating looking at the policy, recognizing this action was severe. and was going to require this kind of response, wanting to have all my ducks in a row with paperwork, wanting to make sure that I had followed through all with all the policies when it came to un their understanding of how they could appeal, making sure that I had everything printed in advance. I probably spent, two hours just working on the paperwork alone, getting ready for this conversation. And then I vividly, isn't it funny? I don't even remember the, the, the situation of the kid. I just remember my visceral response. Just, I remember sweating profusely, like just, just yep. being just, just sweating profusely. And at the end of that conversation, you know, and, and, and everything went as planned and, and the student, we were still setting up supports and all the things you do in those situations. But just when it was over, just this sigh of relief that I had, oh my gosh, I made it through that. A lot of that, Jen, was because it was new. Mm -hmm, right. You, know, you fast forward 10 years later in that same conversation, I sometimes could wrap up in 30 minutes or less and, and without right. breaking a sweat. But in but in when but when you're first stepping into something, and this sometimes happens, especially in adult conversations, when you're the person in the building who's expected to resolve some of the craziest things that ever happened in a school, you're gonna run into something all something new every single year that you've never managed. 
And so giving yourself permission to take a step back and to practice or to anticipate or, or pretend someone's on the other side of you and you're saying those words so that they're coming out of your mouth and you're hearing them yourself before you're saying them in their presence. That's not a bad, it's not a bad habit. Um, but those are all action, the action part of all of this. So it can sometimes be the hardest because executing what you know is going to be, what you believe is going to be necessary and helpful for what's the betterment of the kid and the family and the school. Um, getting those words out, saying that and doing that work can sometimes be really hard. And so um, so I, I don't ever want us in this work that we do, Jen, to forget how hard it is to resolve conflict. And even when you become, even when you build some muscles in that regard, um, there's always going to be something you're going to step into right. that's going to that's going to be a new conflict that you've never right. embraced before. Well, and let's talk about the elephant in the room here. A lot of times principals have to step in and mediate a conflict. And so they listen to side A, they listen to side B, they they validate, they um, they move toward resolution. And everybody leaves and everybody's mad at the principal, right? And the principal's like, what? Thing. I was the one trying to help you solve it because people project or, you know, there's a little cognitive dis dissonance where they make it about something else. And that's the hardest part, I think, as a principal. This is so incredibly difficult because good intentions don't necessarily um, translate into a, um, a, a feel good moment. You know, nobody's going to get together and, and all hug and say, well, thank goodness the principal was here to help us work that out. There's very few thanks. There's very few acknowledgements of a job well done. And so we have to, again, go back to those mindsets that we talked about in a previous episode and think about, okay, did you, did you have confidence? Did you have empathy? Did you have poise? That's where your validation and your positive feedback comes, even if it's only internal. And I think too about, I want to say this one more time. I know I've said a couple of times, um, many times as principals, we get um, tattling about conflict. And because we were all teachers, we think we need to always respond, right? And so if somebody comes and tattles, and I'm using that word a little facetiously, but if a, if a parent emails you and says, okay, a teacher was unkind to my child, or a, a a student pulls you aside and says, that kid just pushed me. You, you have to think about what your response might be. And sometimes the response doesn't live with you. It lives with someone else. And so it's okay to delegate that task to the person who's more appropriately um, equipped to handle it, or you let it go. I received a couple years ago, a student had gotten in a lot of trouble and was suspended for a couple of days. The parent sent me, no kidding, this had never happened before. The parent sent me a video of the child at the dinner table screaming angry things about me, about that mean old principal. And it, the video was sent without a, a message, no words, nothing. It was just this video. So I watched it. It was about 30 minutes. And to me, I was like, okay, this is a child who's very angry and is throwing a bit of a temper tantrum and it's directed at me. Okay. What do I do? What do I do? And I did the best thing, which was delete. I mean, I was sorry the child was in pain. I truly was, but I didn't need to try to resolve this kitchen table moment to which I didn't know what had happened before. I didn't know what had happened after. I knew I had communicated clearly. I knew I had 
been curious, confident. I knew I had been attentive. I had done the best I could. And so the parents' attempt to continue the conflict ended with my decision to end the conflict. Wow, Jen, that's a great way to wrap up. Um, By the time that this recording comes out, I will have just turned 55, which, which means two things. One, my kids tell me I can get discounts at IHOP. <laughs> and two, I'm coming to Oklahoma and I'm going to buy you some pancakes at IHOP since you're such a bargain. <laughs> and, and the second thing that means is that now I, I have an excuse for telling the same old stories again and again. And, and so <laughs> the Alzheimer's kicking in, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, apologies to all my friends, 55 plus out there who are just, <laughs> just insulted and offended. We love you so much. <laughs> But Jen, I want to wrap up with the story that I've told you before, but years ago, I had a friend, I was in a college resident advisor and we had a scholarship program where in, at this college I attended, they required you to go through some leadership classes. And there was an older uh, dorm director at the time who I really respected. And he said this to me and I've never forgotten it. And I've used it in my teaching and principal work and I've used it in my trainings too. But he said, one day we were talking about how people misunderstand decisions you have to make sometimes when they don't have all the same information. And he said, well, I call that the other side of the moon. Mm -hmm. When you look at the moon, you only see one side, no matter where you are on the planet. The only way you see the other side is to get in a spaceship or send a satellite to the other side of the moon. But in leadership, you get to see more of the moon than a lot of other people. Sometimes you get your privy to conversations. No one else ever hears. Right. You're, you're in the room when those conversations happen that cannot be repeated anywhere else. You know both the story of the person who's brought the complaint and the person who's being accused. You know the, the policies that restrict you and allow you to move forward or don't allow you to do certain things. And not everyone else gets to see the other side of the moon. Right. And so that, 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 that truth then allows you to do two things. Once, one, it, it allows you to, be, to stop being so upset with the people who misunderstand because they don't always get the same information and you can give them as much information as you are allowed, but they'll never be able to be allowed all the information you had. And that's just okay. It's okay. And and the second thing, it it gives you permission to not be so hard on yourself right? because you make the best decision with the information that you have in front of you. And then you move forward knowing that some people are still going to misjudge you. And so this book, The Principal's Guide to Conflict Management by Jen Schwanke, is going to help you understand (laughs) the importance of anticipating, analyzing, and acting. Um, But it also, I think it's important for you to not expect that you're going to make everybody happy, that you're ever going to do it all right, um, or that you're going to um, ever get to a point where you don't make a mistake. And and that's so hard for leaders because I'm just, Jen, that's my, you know, my ultimate goal is to get to that place where I'm just, you know, not making mistakes, but right. you're that's perfect. Not, yeah. Yeah. But that's not, that's also not human. So exactly. I just want to say, as we wrap up, thank you again for this wonderful resource oh, thank in you. this book, Jen. And I want to encourage principal managers listeners to reach out, grab their copy. Also, we mentioned this in the last episode that we were in together, but if you're interested in the possibility of doing a uh, ongoing uh, read and, and study with this book. Jen has an accompanying study guide through ASCD on this book that's broken into nine chapters. Um, if that's something that you think would be interesting to do with Jen or Jen and me together, um, we're thinking about offering an opportunity for that to happen for listeners. And But we want to hear back from you first. So reach out at my email address at will at williamdparker.com. And Jen, how can folks get a hold of you? Yep, they can find me at jenswonky at gmail.com. 
Well, until next time, Jen Schwanke, thank you for all that you do in helping leaders. Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, everyone. Talk soon. You'll find free resources like this one at williamdparker.com. Subscribe for our free weekly newsletter, which contains bonus material. And also check out the links for Grow Academies, Masterminds, Executive Coaching, and Keynote Presentations for my books, as well as for Principal Matters Associates. You can find out more under our Speakers tab at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together, and thank you for doing what matters.